0: the scripture is from Luke 2 verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Corinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Friends, good evening. Tonight, we gather to hear the story, one that has been passed down through the ages, one that has stood the test of time, a story that is foundational to our faith, a story that is profound and has deep and sacred meaning. But here's the thing, if we don't tell this story, then who will? It's been often said that we should sometimes allow uh, the occasion to be the proclamation, and this is one of those nights. In this season, we've been rolling through our Ebenezer Christmas playlist, looking at the songs of the season, the carols of Christ and how they can be etched on our hearts and embodied throughout our lives. And so tonight we gather to remember and to celebrate and to gain a foretaste of the heavenly kingdom that is to come and to await the return of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. Tonight we look with our memory of years gone by and look forward with a hope of the Messiah that is to come. Remembering how God has shown up in the past in unexpected ways, celebrating God's arrival, and yet we anticipate his return to usher in the completion of God's work as it is in heaven. Amen? So tonight I want to share with you about the world's most famous Christmas song, Silent Night. It's been sung over 300 variations in 300 different languages with many different arrangements with ensembles and various vocal arrangements as well. It's been performed from New York to all over Europe and Asia and even performed in 1834 for the king of Prussia. But there's a story behind the song Silent Night. It began in 1818 on a cold Christmas evening, and there was a young pastor by the name of Joseph Moore, and he was preparing for Christmas Eve midnight mass at the newly reconstructed Church of St. Nicholas in Germany. How fitting, written for the first time on Christmas Eve and first time performed being at Church of St. Nicholas. The choir had been practicing for months. The pastor's sermon was all put together. The choir sounded great. The praise band sounded great, just like tonight. And everything was all in order until he went to go check on the organ. He hit one of the keys and it played nothing. It was silent. The organ was broken and the pastor was distraught. And so he hurried over to the organist's house, whose name is this, get ready, Franz Gruber. Great name. Can we say that together? Franz Gruber. Perfect. He was the church organist and he listened to the pastor moan about how the organ was broken and the choir could not sing any of the songs that were prepared for that evening. How could they go forward on Christmas Eve, let alone with no organ? And so the organist said, listen, I've got a guitar. I'm pretty good at it. Let me just play it as the background music. And the pastor said to Franz Gruber, that's not going to cut it. People won't go for that. The choir had rehearsed with the organ. The congregation's not going to go for that. It's going to ruin Christmas entirely. We need the organ. And so Franz Gruber, trying to calm down his friend, Pastor Joseph Moore, said that they should come up with a simpler song. And so, Joseph Moore remembered about a poem that he had written two years earlier, and he went back home to to get that poem. And within a few hours, they put it to a guitar, and they learned about the song, and the choir came together, and they learned the song, and the congregation that night in 1818 received a gift that was not planned or expected. But it had the faint sound of a guitar and quiet voices, and they sang. And they heard the Lord silence all of the noise throughout their entire life. The noise was there, but it was faint. And they heard the message of this song. Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round, young virgin mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. In 1818, Pastor Moore came to recognize what lies behind the truth of our faith as followers of Christ and the truth behind Christmas. That life does not always work out as we had hoped. Things happen. Things happen that disrupt our plans and our dreams. Yet God, can you say that with me? Yet God. One more time. Yet God. God breaks in. God just isn't in the temple, but God is with us. God has the capacity to show up here, there, and everywhere. God is relentless, pursuing after us again and again. God keeps working in the world, bringing form out of chaos, something out of nothing, life out of darkness, birthing a new you and a new me out of the old. God is not done with us yet. Amen? God is still at work bringing His glory, even out of our sin and our faults and our failures, our mistakes and our ruined plans. Tonight, my prayer for us collectively is this. I pray that this becomes our silent night. Tonight, amongst all of the noise, I pray that everything might be calm and appear bright. But most of all, tonight, among this noise, may there be heavenly peace a rest that is not of this world, as you receive the Christ child once more that has been born to set you free, free from sin and brokenness, free and born to be our Savior, the Messiah, and born to reconcile us with God. Amen? Thanks be to God.
2: Sometimes in our lives, when things are going awry, we pause and we stop for a moment, And we invite God into the moment where we need God the most. I would imagine that this is what's happening as the organ breaks. And for the story of Mary and Joseph as Jesus is coming into the world, I would imagine that this is the prayer too that the young family is praying. So we look to the scripture to watch the life of Mary and Joseph unfold and how in the midst of what appears to be chaos, God shows up and does something incredible. As we reflect on the song Silent Night, we do it in anticipation and remembrance of one of the holiest moments in human history, the glory of God born in Bethlehem. This was a much needed moment as it would change the entire world, providing for it a brand new sense of hope and a brand new sense of peace. Much like Pastor Moore, who experienced the broken organ, and a people who were waiting in anticipation to sing a glorious song, he invited God into the moment, and something beautiful happened. The writer of this song, I think, was praying this prayer. And Mary and Joseph, think I think, too, was praying this same prayer of, God, come in, O come, O come. As heard in the scriptures, Mary and Joseph were traveling to Bethlehem, responding to a decree that had gone out from Caesar Augustus. The decree was that they were to return back to their hometown to take part in a census that would require them to register their family, each member that was present in it. Not only that, but have an opportunity to pay their family's taxes. It's sort of like when we too have to pay our taxes or re-register our vehicles. Joseph, he's the man from the house of David. And he was a part of an incredible lineage that would bring in the Savior child. They both, he and his young family, travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He, Mary, pregnant. This budding family is preparing to register themselves in the count to pay their taxes. And as they are traveling, they already are experiencing an inconvenience in their lives. They're having to travel quite a distance all while with child, with a brand new baby. You see, Mary is expecting, and she's traveling. Joseph is also expecting for his family to grow, and yet he's seeking to fulfill his due diligence in the world. So yet with the inconvenience that is already around them and in their lives, they march forward, taking part in their own due diligence. While they're doing their part, little did they know, this simple act of obedience and faithfulness Would do much great, would do much gratefulness in the world, or bring about much gratefulness in the world. It would bring about what the world had been longing for for so long, all through their act of obedience. As they return to Bethlehem, it is time for Mary to give birth to Jesus. But before then, they faced many challenges, already pregnant, and now they're being faced with an opportunity to have a child. Only to find out that there is no room for them to have it. Without the proper resources and for things to go well, they march forward. They look for places to find comfort, to find solace, but find it to no avail. So this budding family, they yield to insufficient accommodations, insufficient shelter. They went without the traditional comfort of experiencing a birth. They didn't have perfect accommodations And they are all the while waiting in expectation for this month old in their belly to be born. You see, this is not a perfect time. Things are not working out as they had hoped for. And things are not perhaps working out as they planned. But yet God still has a plan. And God's plan in their lives and in the world is continuously unfolding. In the most uncommon and unhoped for circumstances, Jesus is born. God enters into the earth in a brand new fashion and in the most humble of ways. Through this story, God uses the humility of this young family, not only the humility, but the faith of young Mary and Joseph to usher in the savior of the world, which incorporates into how sin is to be taken away from each and every individual, but how our God is also seeking to implant God's love on the heart of every human being. From the lowliest of people like Mary and Joseph to the highest of people like the Magi and other educated leader. God is peacefully reconciling the world through them. And from the corner of the margins of each and every person's heart, God is bringing them to the center of love. God's love for humanity. God's love for us. Happening in their world and all around them is something more significant peace, peace in the heart of every human being and in the world we live in, because all power and all love is poured out on this family and all love and all power is poured out on God's people as well. It is for Mary and Joseph to embrace, and they do. All the while, the shepherds knew this too. They knew that the love of God was finally born into the world they had caught word So the nearby shepherds were in the field, and an angel appeared to them announcing the birth of the Savior, the Christ child. And a multitude of angels were present, giving praise to God for how God is showing up in a brand new way. Glory to God in the highest, and peace among all men, women, and children on earth. Mary and Joseph found solace in this, as peace had finally been brought to a tedious journey, but peace is also brought to the world. At last, all is come. At last, God has come. Emmanuel is with us. God is no longer a distant presence or far from us. God does not just sit back unconcerned with humanity and their needs or their longings or their wants. But God breaks into every heart. God breaks into every life. God did it in this ancient world and also does it for us. For what we're expecting to happen in our own lives, and our own hearts, too, God does, just as he did for Mary and Joseph. God gives us peace by bringing Jesus into it. And that's a great note, that when we live open to the ways that God seeks to break into our lives and bring peace, that we let him. For Mary and Joseph knew it, the angels knew it, the shepherds knew it, and now we know it. We know that God has not forgotten about us. And God makes every effort to make sure that we know that. This holy moment between a small family in Bethlehem becomes one of the most sacred moments to look back on what God did for them and what God does for us. When Jesus comes, all is calm, all is bright.
3: And Merry Christmas to each of you. My name is Emily. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to share the third mini-sermon of our three mini-sermons this morning. I want to share with you just a little bit before we share communion together. And so my part is to ask, what are things like for you this Christmas? What's going on in your life? What is it like, perhaps, when things aren't going the way you wanted are not going the way that you had hoped. Reverend Joseph Moore and that organist Franz Gruber could tell us something about that. Mary and Joseph could tell us something about that. And I imagine many of us in the room have stories that are something like that. Of things being difficult or hard and not what we wanted. For Mary and Joseph, that planning to be married and being pregnant and worrying about what others will think... And having a child in less than desirable circumstances and not having anywhere to be when all you need is some safe place to be. Can you imagine giving birth far away from home and out of all that mess comes Jesus, our Lord and Savior? Or thinking about that Pastor Joseph and the organist, guitarist Franz. All those carefully laid out plans for Christmas Eve and then all that falling apart. Winding up using some old poem that the priest had written a couple of years ago in that time after the Napoleonic Wars. And then out of all that mess comes this beautiful carol silent night. What is it like when things don't go the way that we thought they would or the way that we wanted? What do you do with that? Well, the truth is that life does not always work out as we hope. Perhaps you've lived long enough to experience that yourself. That things happen that disrupt our plans or ruin them. And maybe it's the result of our mistakes or missteps or somebody else's choices hitting us mighty hard. Maybe life has thrown us some curveballs and you may be tonight walking through disappointment or hurt or fears or worries or brokenness that were never part of your plan. But here it is and it's hard and there's no way around it and you wish it were different and what will come out of all that mess? Parts of life that are not at all what we wanted them to be. Well, I have a friend who's a missionary, full-time missionary. She travels around the world when disaster strikes. Ebola, cholera, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, you name it, she's there. Her job is to show up in the middle of the mess when everything is falling apart and give people hope and be there. And people often ask her what she's doing there. Why have you come? And her answer is always the same and always simple. I'm here because God loves you. And God doesn't want you to go through this alone. I'm here because God loves you. And God doesn't want you to go through this alone. Those are powerful words to hear. And all that is not what we want it to be. So I invite you to hear those words today, tonight, because God breaks out of heaven and into earth to be with us in the gift of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says essentially the same thing my friend does, although with that divine power behind it and unendingly says it. That I'm here because God loves you and God doesn't want you to go through this life alone. And Jesus says that out of the mess of a manger. Jesus does not come because things are perfect. He comes because they are not. And Jesus does not come because things are going well. He comes because they are not. He comes despite the mess in the mess. And because of it, God works in the world and in us to bring something out of all that light out of darkness, hope out of despair, peace out of restlessness, forgiveness out of sin, grace out of shame, second and third chances, 27 chances out of failure and new life out of death. If there's a mess in your life right now, give it to Jesus. See what he can do. Give him all that is not what we hoped any of life would be. And let God bring something out of it. Let God bring a song out of it. Let God bring next steps out of it. Let God bring new life because God is not done. Not with you, not with me, not with this church, not with this community, not with any of us. God is not done and God sends Jesus in a mess. And I love that because it means that Jesus knows his way around in it. Jesus shows up to transform it and transform us and transform the world into a place where the first is last and the last is first and the hungry are fed and the thirsty are quenched. And those who are broken are made whole. And those who are struggling or feel left out or feel forgotten are welcomed and made to fully belong. Because love and hope will never end when God has something to do with it. And God is still at work in the world and in us and in the mess. And Jesus is here because God loves you and doesn't want you to go through this life alone. And that is good news, right? Amen? Amen. Christ is born for you and me. And God loves you and doesn't want you to go through this life alone. So thanks be to God, we don't have to. Amen and amen.